Check it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob, please. Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I Bob, need, Bob. I need, I need. Bob. Give me, give okay, me. Okay. Please. All right, all right, please. all right. This single line delivered by Bill Murray has probably got to be my in my top five best lines in all of film. Oh, so magical. everybody and welcome to another episode of the cinema psych podcast the podcast where psychology meets film as always i am your host dr alex swan and uh we've got a good one for y'all in this episode we are going to be discussing what about bob yep that's right that bill murray classic the film came out in 1991, sort of at the, I want to say, the height of Bill Murray's powers, uh, you know, coming off the high of Ghostbusters and Caddyshack and all of that good stuff, and then he jumps into this one, and it's got to be one of my favorite Bill Murray characters in films. Like, probably, if I were to rank... My Bill Murray's up there. It would be Ghostbusters number one, and probably what about Bob? what about Bob at number two? A really, really good performance, and we'll get into the psychology of of the of the movie uh, when we get our guest host in here. But uh, it really does an interesting job playing somebody with a lot of. Um, Anxious tendencies. We'll call them for now. We'll call them for now. Anxious tendencies. So, yeah, I, I I really do enjoy it. Now, the film was directed by Yoda Voice and expert puppeteer Frank Oz in one of his directorial uh, endeavors. He, he directed a lot of things. And then also starring alongside Bill Murray is... The one and only Richard Dreyfus, one and only Richard Dreyfus, Julie Haggerty, uh, Catherine Erb, uh, Irby. I'm, I'm not really sure how you say it. Charlie Corsmo, uh, in a very interesting. I was reading about his whole. He's a professor of law. He served in Obama's White House, like wild. Anyways, uh, in a very small group of actors here. Uh, mostly focused on the dynamic between Bill Murray's character, Bob Wiley, what about Bob, and Richard Dreyfus, Dr. Leo Marvin. And now, Leo Marvin, we're going to get into it, is a what appears to be a psychiatrist. So for those listeners who may not be uh, steeped in all of the language, psychiatrists are, and the term itself, is reserved for uh, physicians, so people with medical uh, doctorates, MDs, uh, who specialize in psychological disorders. Uh, 
and of course, exploring all of the features uh, thereof from a medical perspective, really. So not a psychologist, not a clinical psychologist. So we look at the interplay between these two throughout the movie. And it really is a tale of two characters. And one of the interesting bits of trivia before we jump into the the rest of the episode, the analysis here, um, is one of the aspects that I think makes the movie even better once you know it. So you either go into it knowing this bit of information or you read about it later or you hear me say it right now. During filming, Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss did not like each other. Richard Dreyfuss recounted about 15 years or so ago that um, it was not a pleasant experience for him. And uh, Bill just kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And, and uh, you know, it worked. It really did. And there were just a lot of stories uh, shared about that movie. Bill Murray said of Richard Dreyfuss, he didn't like me. Uh, when we were filming and that that's OK, I think it I think it helped or some something to that effect. So I just think that is uh, that is one really awesome aspect that makes the dynamic between these two characters even better. And so let's jump in. My guest host today is Dr. Jordan Waggy. Jordan is a cognitive psychologist at Avila University in Kansas City, Missouri. Jordan, welcome back to the show. Hi. We are recording this. Um, well, we should have been recording it on Black, Black Friday, but um, it's only a couple of days after that now. It's Black Sunday, we'll call it. Bloody Sunday. There we go. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. Um, it was pretty low key, but we um, we had chicken breast because like we uh -huh. couldn't. It's like turkey was too much effort. I feel like every Thanksgiving is like I have big plans for it and then I get to it and I'm like, I remember I'm a college professor and I can't do anything. Normal between like mid-November mid-December yeah. and so I just I like we planned ahead this time like you know let's do stuff chicken breast maybe some rolls mm -hmm. and we'll just like enjoy each other's company or whatever yeah small so small group I imagine yeah yeah same same with us we didn't we didn't go anywhere um and uh we didn't even do poultry we uh made a roast so Oof. <clears throat> you know, far away from yeah. even any sort of white meat. Um, so, yeah, even less. And, and we didn't want to be traditional this year, I guess, because, you know, it was still pandemic-y, you know? Blech. Yeah. Blech. So know. anyways, we are chatting during the last day of our breaks. We got to go back to it tomorrow, unfortunately. <laughs> womp womp. No, I, I kid. It's fortunately because we still have know. jobs. We still, I don't know. We, we have jobs. Yeah, it's fortunate, but in that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, letters of recommendation are due this week too. Oh, right. I gotta. I gotta do those. Okay. <laughs> to any to any students who are are uh, are listening. Yes, we also procrastinate. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. So, Jordan, um, let's jump right into the movie uh, because I'm sure you have all of the thoughts about Dr. Leo Marvin. So we'll get there. 
And I think we both love a good comedy movie because you are the one, I believe, if my memory serves and it's not very good. So we'll just call it that you came up with What About Bob? Um, When we were chatting with Jason uh, a couple of episodes ago. uh, So I at least remember that. Um, and I think after we were done, uh, you said, oh, I called dibs on What About Bob? <laughs> that uh, sounds that, like me. That does yeah, sound like yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what brought What About Bob to your mind? And what do you want to broadly say about it before we jump into some of the specifics? I, just, I mean, this is a really complicated question. We've it talked is. about this before. Like, I, I haven't actually... I used to watch a lot of movies, but I haven't watched movies. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know what it is about my focus. I just can't, I can't watch a movie like it. Like, it, I just can't watch a movie. It takes to, <laughs> I can watch seven episodes of Jane the Virgin mm-hmm. or like whatever in a row. But the last time, I mean, but besides the movies that I've watched for this podcast, I think the last movie I watched was like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. And, and it took us four nights, uh, like pausing and anyway, yeah. so, so then I watched these movies for the podcast and, and the, what was the first one was like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yes. the first one we did together. Yeah. Which is just like really heavy. Yeah, um, it was to jump back into watching movies like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some warning would have sufficed on that one. It, that I, I wouldn't have four done nights. four yeah. nights. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot. And I actually, I watched it twice. So it took me like two nights each time. Um, Cause it's one of those movies where like, I feel like I might like everything is purposeful and I feel like I might miss something. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not like really paying attention, I need to like think through like, what does this thing mean? What does that thing mean? And then 12 angry, 12 angry men was just like a different, there were two movies to watch. Yeah, I to watch exactly. And it's a different kind of heavy, right? Cause there's like racism. Yeah. All like all sorts of, and then like also sexism as we talked about. And it, so these right. are like the movies that I've watched lately, like for this podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just first of all, <laughs> firstly, uh, what about Bob felt like a good choice for me just because I remember loving the movie when I was a kid, right? This mm-hmm. came out when I was like 11 and I thought it was the the dinner scene was like the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, I, it is still pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. Um, I don't feel any pressure to like, look for a deeper meaning in any of the things that are in this movie. Um, But there are some really smart things that, that the writers do that like, I, I thought this movie was great when I was 11, but as a psychology professor, I'm like, wow, somebody, somebody knew a super shitty psychiatrist and like knew a lot about them. And like movies where psychologists are portrayed just in general annoy me just like where professors are portrayed because they're just so like i don't know there are a lot of tropes and um and i i i i love how i i just love how dr marvin was just captured of like they're all of these like super shitty things about psychiatrists were like yeah so yeah so that was why i was like you know like it's can i can we just do something like and i and i also i've been so impressed with like like you and i are ridiculous friends we we talk about ridiculous things together and giggle and like i feel like you've really been able to shine with the past two selections we've had because you also like bring the intellect 
Oh, thank you. And I just, I want to have something I'm good at. <laughs> and totally, totally fair. I I do definitely enjoy um, just the goofiness of this movie as well. Like it's, I was in the intro I mentioned is probably my number two Bill Murray performance. Um, What's number, number two, one? Uh, <clears throat> that would be Ghostbusters, Peter Venkman. Yeah, because Peter Venkman is like, Dr. Leo Marvin, but then with the charm of Bill Murray and it yeah. kind of it, it kind of just works. Yeah, it does. It, his character is a little problematic with da with Dana. Um, but be that as it may, the non Dana stuff is pretty good. Yeah. So but it, but but in, in any case, back to to Bob Wiley, his character here. I mean, I, I, it's he just does a really good job of being a neurotic guy and i i'm i say neurotic um with all love and deference to my fellow neurotic people um and it not it not referring to any failing or uh disorder that we may have we just you know just think of the world a little differently and i think that's fine i think that's fine so my fellow neurotics join me and we will uh uh, think very long and hard about whether or not to take over the world <laughs> and whether it would be a good idea and right right if whether, we've got whether, the stomach for it whether anybody will be angry with us for taking over the world especially yes especially that and, and or not even just angry but like disappointed yeah that we took like it uncomfortable <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. that's why I really, really do uh, love this movie. And I'm glad that you brought it up because it has been jangling around um, my head for a while to be on the show. And yeah, we do. Many of the episodes are featured uh, heavily in the drama uh, category. But then again, we also have like Goofy uh, and I could totally see the goofy movie being on here but we we do have some goofy ones on there like you know inside out even though there's like a real pixar message in that one it's still it's still pretty goofy movie i cried in that movie i mean this is really low threshold but like i i did not cry during what about bob right Yes. So I as far as like goofiness scale goes for what about Bob? I think this is the goofiest one in the yes. in the rotation so far. It may not be the last one, but it's certainly up there right now. Oh, so good. I mean So you're so saying I the, can come back. <clears throat> yeah. Well, if you can find something goofier, sure. Um, um okay, I have a list. Uh oh, top excellent. of the list is Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> Which I feel like has a lot of really important psychological concepts. Excellent. Uh, as they would say. Okay, so let's get the psycho out of the way and then we'll we'll dive straight into Leo Marvin um, Haters Club United. <laughs> uh, because I think that'll take the, the vast majority of our time. So... You mentioned some things that they that the writers and Frank Oz is the director did um, smartly. But so if this is included there in for in this question, let me let me know, because I am really interested in how you think since we're not clinical psychologists, either of us we are both cognitive psychologists mm -hmm. by training. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, 
What did you think about the portrayal of the psychology and specifically the disorders that uh, Bob Wiley's character had? I never really know what to think about those because my training in clinical psychology basically stops and ends with, you know, with the abnormal psych class that starts and ends. Sorry, it's a different thing with the abnormal psych class that I had when I was yeah, like 19. Um, and I mean, I know enough to teach, you know, introduction to psychology. And clearly that's not at, at my core. I'm like, I cannot trust a media representation of any disorder. And I kind of like leave that to the experts. But yeah, it was I mean, I didn't I didn't really. And, and maybe, it, this is again, this is like I don't I'm not I, I'm not a person who has been diagnosed with OCD or with, you know, phobias. Um, and, and so I. I may I'm way out of my lane here, but it didn't feel to me like any like it was um, it felt like there was a like a vulnerability to him. Like there was a there that he and that he was a, like portrayed as a human beyond his disorders um, that they, they were pronounced and they were like sort of sideshowy. Right. And like, yeah, it's a movie. So that's unfortunate, but it's like it's a movie, it's a comedy, whatever. But but there were he had. A sense of humor, and he, you know, had a sweetness to him, and he had like he was he had he was layered. Yeah, sorry, I, that was not an answer to your question. <laughs> I think I think that I like the layered aspect of it because you know he's clearly flawed in many ways. He fakes his own death just to get. I mean, he. he he doesn't fake his death in like the he just tells right. people that right. you know he he died by suicide and so you know he's clearly a flawed person and whether or not the disorders that he's portraying in the movie are causing it or he's putting on some kind of extra extraness to his disorders it's hard to tell with the performance as you said it's a comedy so bill murray's just going to go over the top with it regardless why don't I start? Huh? The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Uh, I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. Uh, in public places, it's, it's uh, almost impossible. I have a real big problem moving. Talk about moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever, blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, Involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? What if my heart stops beating? What if I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find it, and my bladder explodes. Have you ever heard of Tourette's syndrome? 
involuntarily shouting profanity. It's exceptionally rare. Shit it ain't son of a bitch! Bastard! Douchebag! Twat! Numbnuts! Dickhead! Bitch! Why exactly are you doing this? If I fake it, then I don't have it. You know, it's the same with the cardiac arrest. Oh! Are you married? I'm divorced. Would you like to talk about that? There are two types of people in this world. Those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. My ex-wife loves him. And he's not going to shy away from making jokes at some of the expense of others. It was 1991, you know. It was the it was a fun fact year that the uh, ADA was signed into law, the Americans oh. with Disabilities Act. So, you know, there you go. Uh, not the poster, not the poster film for the ADA. I'll tell you that. Right, right. <laughs> but I think it's it's an interesting uh, interesting way that um, Dr. Marvin uh, diagnoses him. Uh, and so he calls it phobic personality with severe separation anxiety. It's, it's something else. Um, and it has to do it, of course, to Leo, Dr. Marvin, it it appears that he's like. I don't know, uh, dealing emotionally with his wife leaving him, but wife leaving Bob. Uh, but I don't know. There's not a lot there. There's really not a lot there. And I think Bob is a little bit more complicated than that. And multi multiphobic personality disorder, like that's not, that's not a thing, right? No, I don't think it was a thing in 1991. Either I think they were just throwing s stuff together. Tom Schulman, the, who wrote the screenplay, he was just—I think he was just throwing. Okay, what's it's phobias? He's he's afraid of things. Like they show at the beginning of the movie, really well done, without any, uh, without very much dialogue whatsoever. Mostly Bob just talking to himself or his fish, Gil. Gil, appropriately named. Yes. <laughs> on my subtitles so, my subtitles gill had one l and i was yeah. really frustrated by that i was like you, you were so close yeah you could have i don't <laughs> yeah. think I, I think it maybe it would have been too on the nose and they wanted it to be a little a little uh yeah obtuse i don't know but uh he, you know this clever montage of showing just exactly what he's afraid of um and going into the <laughs> My favorite was going into the incredibly uh, thin New York apartment hallway and the perspective playing on that one. That was, I think, that was, I think, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think there is a thing called mo multiphobic personality. I think we got to separate separate so, those two but i sort of wonder if that's not like a purposeful cleverness of the movie is like we're gonna we're gonna have leo marvin meet with this guy and he's like so pompous and so full of himself that he's like i'm just gonna i'm i know what this is i'm just gonna string some words together 
uh, and this is a thing. He's just like very sure of himself, right? What you're saying is that even though you are an almost paralyzed, multiphobic personality that is in a constant state of panic, your wife did not leave you, you left her because she liked Neil Diamond. No, you're saying that maybe, maybe I didn't leave her because she likes Neil Diamond, but maybe, maybe she left me? Yes. Ow, 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 ow. Dr. Marvin, you can help me. For the first time in my life, I feel like there's hope. I feel like I can be somebody. Bob, there's an old saying that the best psychiatrist in the world is the one right inside of you. Yeah. I can help you. Yes. Thank you. Bob, there is a groundbreaking new book that has just come out. Ah. Now, not everything in this book, of course, applies to you, but I'm sure that you can see, when you see the title, exactly how it could help. Baby steps? It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself, one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps. For instance, um, when you leave this office, don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building. Just think of what you must do to get out of this room. And when you get to the hall, deal with that hall and so forth. You see? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It works. It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Hmm. Baby step around the office. <laughs> Baby step around the office. That should give you a lot to digest while I'm on vacation. V vacation? I'm taking my family on vacation until Labor Day. That's a month. What if I need you? What if I need to talk? Well, my associate, Dr. Harmon, would be happy to talk. And Bob, I'll be back. Just read baby steps. Baby steps out of the office. Very good. Baby steps to the hall. Very good, Bob. Keep going. That's it. Bye. I'll see you in a month. Baby step onto the elevator. Baby steps into the elevator. I'm in the elevator. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Richard Dreyfus does does do a very good job of playing a real big jerk. But but I do want to point out that 
it was uh, interesting to uh, hear the end of the tape recording, which, by the way, his secretary has to do. Like, what did she get? His tape tapes at the end of the, the day. And she's like, time to listen to him some more. And then she's like typing out what he's saying <laughs> so nicely. Like, come on. So, she, you know, she's she's typing away. And um, there's a little there's a little glimmer there of um, lovely health insurance policies. Code him for this, and then bill him for the visit and all that. Yeah, yeah. Charge him twenty nine ninety nine for the book. Yeah. Ex- oh my god that that was even worse. That he's was got on, a f- that was on the nose though. It was. It really was. And he's got a full bookshelf of them. Yeah. And he like and tries he takes to look a- for them. It's like. Where is this but he book? takes one from the middle and it really bothers me. I mean, that's I'm with the fish here with the book. So we've got multiphobic uh, personality disorder with separation anxiety, and we get shown that in the movie yep. like constantly. Yeah. Um, when he develops this first relationship and he gives a, and, and Leo gives Bob the book baby steps, he's like, oh, my God. Baby steps and he takes baby steps, baby steps into the elevator and that door closes and he screams those poor, poor people (laughs) in that tin rectangular prism. Yeah, Uh, that that sucked. So um, what is your hot take, Jordan, on Bob's intrusiveness on this family? Because we're not we're not giving Bob a pass. At least I'm not giving Bob a pass on his behavior in the rest of the movie. I'm he wins the hearts and minds of everyone around him because of I think the word that I wanted to give him um, when you were sort of going over your thoughts on Bob was innocence. He's got an innocence about him, and he's got sort of like a uh, I don't know a playful character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't. He doesn't get a lot of social cues that well. Um, But in any case, I'm not going to go down the autism route there. But in any case, he's got this playful innocence about him. And he wins the hearts and minds of people. But let's not excuse his behavior. He intrudes on this family's vacation, full stop. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I just as a viewer, like, I think it's really interesting that he can he can be he can be this horrible to this fam to this family and cross so many boundaries and just make so many bad choices. And yet you're still like rooting for him because Marvin is such a douche. Um, yeah. So, y- you know, like, obviously, I mean, those are, and he, right. We start off the movie knowing he's done it to other people. So presumably it's not just like, you know, Dr. Marvin could have handled this a little bit better. It is. He will like, he will manipulate and he will find a way to become like part of this. It, I also, this is, this. I don't know if this is a stretch, but one of the things I was thinking of was like, there were so many, there were so many places where Dr. Marvin could have kind of taken a strong position on like, absolutely not. Like he could have called the police when Bob showed up. He could have, you know, which I think he may have actually done is, I don't know. He could have, there are things that he could have done, but it's like, it's like one of it's one of those there's this there's like I know I know you're going to know this like there's this like it's not a cognitive bias but it's like a this behavior where well 
maybe I don't need to take like too strong of a position on this because this is really like, I'm taking care of it now. I don't know. I'm not really making much sense. That's why I shouldn't wing it. But uh, <laughs> like he, he, he doesn't anticipate it will go any, like Marvin doesn't anticipate that it's going to go any further. And so he doesn't really need to take like a strong position. Um, but that's part of, I think part of, part of probably uh, Bob's charm. And um, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I would call it manipulation because he, that, because he's so, he does have this innocence. He has this vulnerability where it's like, he really wants to get the thing that he wants. Um, but he's, he's charming in a way that's not like, he's not doing it to be evil. He is doing it because he wants to get better and yeah, just long winded yeah. hot take there. He wanted. He wants to. I, I. I feel like he wants to. I mean, maybe the separation anxiety diagnosis is on the nose there, and um, he just wants to be around people who appreciate him, and and one of the ways that he does it is he just inserts himself into like the situation in sort of an adjacent way, so he's not barging in or anything like that. He just happens to be there, right, uh, and then um. He like goes around and maybe does a little manipulation things here and there. He does put the explosives back at Leo's house. I mean, he didn't know they were real. Right. Let's be honest. But it, I don't know. He he does do a lot of things that are 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 maybe a um somebody who w- could respect boundaries, who had the capacity to respect boundaries would never do would would not do at all and 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 of course as comedy movies go uh most things are serendipitous to the protagonist (laughs) so they're like oh okay time to do comedy oh Scrumptious. Is this hand shucked? Mm-hmm. Would you like some more chicken, Bob? Mm. Leo, do you want the breast? No, 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 that's fine. Eat up. Biscuits, great corn, great potatoes. You want some more salad, Bob? Yeah, I think I do. Pile it high and deep, will you please? Can you get that tomato off there, please? Thank you. 
delicious. This is delicious. Mm. Will you stop that, please? Leo, I see salt and pepper. Is there a salt substitute? I'll get it. And don't call me Leo. But you said in your office that I could call you Leo. That was in my office. In my home. I'd like you to call me Dr. Marvin. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to continue talking about, uh, you know, Bob, Leo, all the fun stuff. Leo Haters Club, of course, Dr. Marvin, Leo, Leo Marvin, Haters Club. We'll be right back. Howdy. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you're enjoying the conversation. Over the past two years, the podcast has grown, and that's mostly in part to folks like you, the listeners. We've also had wonderful luck receiving support from the Society for the Teaching of Psychology, APA Division II Small Partnerships Grant. It's been a fun ride, and we want to keep it going. So we need your help. There are several ways that you can support this show. You can share episodes with your social media networks so we can grab new listeners. You can join our fledgling Patreon program. You can contribute directly using PayPal. Or you can purchase some sweet merchandise with our logo at our Spreadshirt merch store. All of those things can be found on the website cinemasychpod.swanpsych.com. But perhaps the best thing that you can do is to keep listening and leave us feedback on Facebook or Twitter so we know you've listened. Thanks. And now back to the show. And we are back with Dr. Jordan Waggy. We're talking about what about Bob? Uh, let's get back into it. So, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Let's uh, we'll, we'll save more of the uh, Bob and Leo dynamic after we get ta- after we finish talking about Leo. So let's pivot to Leo here. Dr. Leo Marvin, as I described uh, in the intro of the show, dear listener is a psychiatrist who is likely a somebody who would describe themselves these days as like a psychodynamic therapist. I would hazard a guess. Um, even, I mean, Leo in 1991 may even just called him straight up, called himself a psychoanalyst. Um, I, I mean, and, and that is <laughs> likely due to a very... Very heavy-handed Freud fetish, Sigmund Freud fetish. How are the ways that this uh, fetish is played out in the movie? Well, he's a douche. Okay, so there's the there's number one. <laughs> uh, his kids are named uh, Siggy, Sigmund, and mm-hmm. Anna. So yep. um, uh, yeah, so Sigmund himself. And mm-hmm. Anna Freud it was uh, Sigmund's daughter. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the, I mean, I think when he first started talking to him, he asked about like relationships with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me was like big, big, big red flag of, you know, this person is coming to you with F, with phobias, and the, and the first thing you ask about is relationships with women. 
Yeah. Um, Relationships with women. Um, he asks about, he asks, are you married? Mm-hmm. Oh, the bust. Uh, the bust. Yeah. The giant bust that he, he leans up against very, very coyly. And very oddly takes up to his winter home or his summer home uh, for the vacation for his Good Morning America interview. Oh, he needs to have it in the background of the interview, mm-hmm. right? Like that's yep. um Yeah, and a lot of the other things are are not I don't know if they're necessarily um well this is this is clearly like a Freud fetish that he had. So just just the the condescension, I think that like I know these things about you just from my observations. And I don't need you to contribute like he. This is not like this is he knew nothing about Bob. Mm -mm. And he's like making these diagnoses and he's like, I have this guy pegged and like this book is what's going to help you. And like Mm -hmm. it's very, very condescending, very like, yeah, very patriarchal, which I is a word that I probably use way too much. But like (laughs) this top down sort of like I'm the authority figure here and you are not going to play a role like I'm going to. I'm going to, I referred to Freud at one point as like a psychological imperialist of like, whatever it is that's going on in your head. It's like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to plant my flag and I'm going to like, I now understand all of this. Um, and I will tell you what you need to do. Which is, I mean, let's be honest here in 2021, we are still replacing facts in psychology that we found, you know, 15 years ago. So uh, the arrogance. Arrogance. Arrogance is the word I was looking for. Yes. The arrogance of of Leo Marvin and, you know, people like him, real or fake, uh, is is astounding. Like, I, 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 I love the psychological imperialist. Right? Because, but because, like, Freud's writings suggest that, um, you know, he's not musing these kind of like William James wrote about things that he's like, well, I think this is the case. Uh, Freud is like speaking very matter of factly, like this is what your dream means, right. dog. Right. Uh, and yeah, and really focusing on the treatment of women when he was practicing. Um, I did air quotes, uh, <laughs> listeners. Um, I heard them. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so when he was practicing, uh, you know, he focused primarily on women and women's issues. And uh, it's fair, very clear that um, that's what Leo is trying to follow, I guess. The, the weird thing is, is like, why would he see a patient or a client like Bob if that's the case, because I don't know if there's any evidence that uh, psychoanalysis can treat phobias. Well, I mean, the setup, right? It was all about the setup in this movie where like clearly and I I mean, ego in like the the actual meaning of the word ego, like his ego was was sort of buffer was sort of buoyed by this other psychiatrist calling him and saying like, hey, you're so well respected. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, he I mean, that guy was smart, right? Like, uh, like, obviously, I thought probably wouldn't probably wouldn't take a genius to figure out that that's 
the approach that you should take with a person like that. Of like, you call, you flatter. Yes? Excuse me, doctor, but there's a Dr. Carswell fence to roll on the phone. Thank you. Faye, I have to go. There's another colleague on the phone. Boy, they sure do come out of the woodwork when you're famous. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. Carswell! Leo! Long time no see, huh? You got a big book out. Things are really clicking, huh? That's the way I planned it. Listen, Leo. I'm uh, quitting my practice for a while. I'm, I'm leaving town. And I have one patient I'd like to refer to you. Exactly what kind of a case is it, Carswell? He's not psychotic, is he? No, no, nothing like that. No, listen, uh, his name is uh, Bob Wiley. Uh, he pays early. He comes on time. And uh, he just needs someone brilliant, Leo. You know, I, I know that you don't like flattery, but if there's anyone I know who could win the Nobel Prize, it's you. Well, <laughs> I suppose I could find an hour for him sometime after Labor Day. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll work him in for an interview. Say, Carswell, uh, how come you're quitting the business? We're a dying breed, Leo. Good luck. Claire, if a Bob Wiley calls, schedule him for a short interview right after I get back from my vacation. He's already called, Dr. Marvin, twice. He's your next appointment. That's persistence. Good old narcissism. Yeah, and, and I mean, you could definitely... I mean, I like, I was watching and I was thinking, like, without that, I mean, he, he you know, he may very easily have said no to taking on this this client, but this this guy is flattering him. Um, and it's, you know, there's this sort of like, you know, ego wrapped up in it. We're like, I, you know, I'm, I am the only person who can help this person. Um, I am the best and somebody else is asking me to do this and they're recognizing my bestness. Yeah. My amazing awesomeness. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I, I am, I'm also struck by the use of baby steps for somebody clearly suffering from um, a whole host of different like flavors of phobia. So there are object based phobias, you know, like being afraid of of animals or blood or, you know, something physical. Right. But then there are like situational phobias like claustrophobia, agoraphobia. Uh, and then there are um, what's the third type? Um, social. It, and then, yeah, I guess social phobia. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, no, there's a th it's event uh, or events. Maybe was maybe I'm not entirely I'm not entirely versed in all of my phobias, but because you can be afraid of things like uh, paper cuts or getting a paper cut. Maybe I guess that's the situation. Be that as it may, this dude's got a lot of things that he's afraid of, Bob, right. of course. Um, and uh, baby steps may not help some of those things, right? So there are two different kinds of behavioral interventions for somebody who has phobias, and only uh, and one of them has to do with like ratcheting up and uh, um, you know doing so-called baby steps, but. Then there's the other one, which is flooding, which you see in both cases, actually. I think that's actually one of the... I don't know if this is necessarily one of the smart things that you had pointed out, but I thought this was interesting to me. He does both in the movie. He does baby steps for some things, which 
don't necessarily help the elevator, for example. Um, baby steps into the elevator. Okay, well, well what happens then, my friend? Right, you can't right. take more baby steps. Right. But then he does flooding, which is just an exposure to the the phobic object or event or situation all at once by going sailing. Oh, I was thinking of the death therapy thing. But yeah, the sailing. But then, yeah, so what was the death therapy because i think that's like the biggest one fake by the way yeah just you know strapping tying him up strapping bombs around him uh you know leaving him well he also he also left him alone in the middle of the wherever uh in the woods yeah yeah, abandoned him um and, and like left left him to sort of deal with like what is this like what is the worst thing that can can possibly happen and and so to me that was like that was you know that was an example of flooding Mm -hmm. what i thought was really clever about it was again i wasn't even thinking about the sailing um so I i think it's really clever that like the baby steps didn't the baby steps didn't really work and that was like what marvin's whole thing was was like yeah this is he wrote and this is like this is this is just God, this movie really captures like a certain kind of person, right? <laughs> I want to say a certain kind of man. Let's just say a certain kind of person, but he writes a thousand page book. Like this book is gigantic. Yeah, it uh, is really thick. And it's like the the most ridiculous concept of like just it's so it's so pop psychology of like just take mm-hmm. the most simple explanation you can think of, which is just like try a little bit. Try to do this a little bit at a time. So, yeah. So it's just like this simplest idea that you could possibly propose. It's like just, you know, these idea of baby steps. And and he's he's very clearly suggesting this as like uh, a panacea for Mm -hmm. for like curing. It's like whatever this person is going through, baby steps will help them, which is like so totally not true. Not true. (laughs) No, not at all. And then the thing he tries to do. that was like the most heinous thing of all, you know, he wasn't trying to help Bob at all. Uh-uh. And it, it ended up like being a form of flooding therapy. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, I am. It's just funny. Cause it's a movie. Like that is not something you would want to do with somebody. <laughs> no, no, you'd have to get first. You'd have to get their consent. Right. Oh God. First you have to go through <laughs> medical school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a PhD program. Or, or at least or a at PhD least the master's, program, right. yeah. Um but yeah. you know, he wasn't trying to do anything like that on purpose. I just thought it was a clever comedic trick that like this that this thing, which is like the very opposite of a baby step, is what actually helped him. Uh the exact opposite. Oh, so clearly on the nose there. So Leo Marvin, a psychiatrist in uh, the movie ends up because uh, Bob blows up his house from his uh, death therapy. You know, had those explosives gone off, uh, Leo would have been a murderer. Right. Yes. Because they were real explosives. Yes. Yeah. Let's take a moment for that one um, because that is... That is like 
Dude should have his medical license taken away. I perhaps that's what happened yeah, behind the it, scenes. Yeah, no, it did. It did. It was. I think that was one of the things. And okay, in the text after the movie was like he oh, lost right, his right. medical license. I uh, yes, and, in the text. Yes, and in he's the suing text. Bob. Yeah, yes. and then he's suing Bob. Yeah, epilogue text um, bothers me. But in any case, uh, so he ends up in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, where he probably sent a lot of patients. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. To send Bob. Right. Let's be honest. Um, to keep up his, uh, you know, success rate. I'm willing to wager he sent a lot of people he couldn't quote unquote cure to that psychiatric hospital. It's not my problem anymore. So mm-hmm. it's not my failure rate. And so he only highlights the successes. I feel like he would right. do something like that. Well, I mean, that's, you know, when when he first got the call that Bob had committed suicide, that was exactly his reaction, right? It was just like, oh, okay, let's go to sleep. Right? Yeah, it's like right. A, a human life has been ended. I, you know, it, there's no reaction there. There's no empathy or sadness. It's just like, well, it's, you know, it's not my not my problem anymore i've got my good morning america interview right um i did a subtle thing uh too before going down before continuing down the um his own mental illness train uh he tries to do baby steps with his um son siggy on mm-hmm. diving mm-hmm. and uh it turns out uh this movie is a I don't know, infomercial for flooding <laughs> because uh, Bob just ends up like pushing him in. Right. And he's like, look, dad, I did it <laughs> because he just jumped into the water. Right. Instead of like being afraid of doing a proper dive like his dad wanted him to do, his very controlling father wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. He just did it. Right. Bob goes sailing. Uh, he gets in the car with uh, Anna uh, without touching the, without using a napkin on the door handle, mind you. Um, you know, he does the death therapy thing. I think there are a few other instances of flooding in his case. V- movie is a movie is a is a advertisement for flooding. Yeah, yeah. Who makes money on that? I don't think anybody does. Water. As a missed opportunity. Yeah. Water, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. um let's license flooding somehow. Yeah. I, I'm I'm one hundred percent with you. I don't I mean I don't that definitely is a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it is true. People In do continue, market those kinds of things. Continuing education units. Right. Cool. <laughs> Do you think he was doing his CE units? Yeah. Leo Marvin? For sure. Like, I, I, no, C, C, I don't know. CEUs were probably, right? yeah, no, I, from what I understand, there are, there are like two main approach, there are two approaches to CEUs. And there are the people who approach it like it was originally intended. And they're like, I, not only am I being held accountable for learning new things and staying up to date in the research, but um, I get the chance to do this. Right. And then there are the people who are like, yeah, I, I kind of already know everything. You know, so I'm not going to do them. Right. 
Um, or, or I'm going to, I'm going to do something like, I'm going to phone it in. I'm going to, I'm going to do something that's like, what's the easiest way I can earn my CEUs. That's true. So. I, he, Leo Marvin strikes me as the guy who would try to, um, get, um, CE units for one, writing his book and mm-hmm. two, uh, his good morning America interview. Oh, absolutely. He would, he would probably, he would probably call up, this is very Freudian, but he would probably like, you know, call up whatever board it is that's responsible in his state for managing like the licensure or CEUs or whatever and be like, um, for my CEUs, can I give a lecture to a group of people? (laughs) (laughs) Because I wrote a book. He, yeah, I, I, he would totally, I 100% agree that he would probably likely do that. Uh, because the movie is set ostensibly in 1991. So, you know, some of the things that Freud talked about probably weren't, um, that monumental back then. Still, I don't know. I was five. What what are you what are you thinking here? I, I'm I'm just I'm thinking that uh, that Freud was still was kind of passe uh, still. God, I mean, I don't even know if Freud is passe now. Yeah, it's kind of hard to to extract ourselves from psychology as a whole to make that judgment. Yeah, it's hard, and it's also like, well, what voices are you listening to? And I'm just thinking of like, you know. Are, are like two two quote unquote friends on online on different Facebook groups who are right. like, you know, not the not these are actual friends or Facebook friends, but people who predictably if you like if you leverage one small criticism against Freud, they're like, oh, my God, it's a hater. He was so important. <laughs> right. He revolutionized and, everything. You're and just, I'm wondering you're just, you're just mad because you don't have a penis. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I wish I knew. It was great to get, um, some historical perspective when we had Karen Brackey on talking about the animal rights movement, but I really uh, just, I, it, I feel like in my bones that there was enough groundswell behind Maslow and um, Rogers for client-centered therapy as an alternative to psychoanalysis and psychodynamic therapy. I I, I want to feel like, and somebody can correct me if I am wrong, I don't know if I will listen because I just want to feel it. Yeah, yeah. That in 1991, uh, evidence-based therapy had moved beyond Freud and his weird theories about how people interact with each other especially children with their parents oh yeah hard hard grimace yeah hard hard exactly exactly so that's what i want to feel and um in stephen colbert's truthiness ideal that is where i live with that with the with the state of freud in 1991 yeah it's it's hard to get a read on I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of literature that's that's like in this is one thing that the field of counseling psychology has been pretty good at is like tracking the, the current state of the field and like how different people identify. Oh. Um, I mean, it's part of, you know, I believe that that's part of like the 
orientation of, of like PhDs in counseling psychologies is like thinking about vocational um, types of interests and like theoretical perspectives. And I, I'm sure that that information is out there somewhere of like in 1991, how many people identified in this way. I don't think it would include necessarily people who are social workers, people who mm-hmm. are um, <sighs> medical doctors. I mean, really the, the most, a lot of the most hardcore psych, psych, um, psychoanalysts, psychodynamic people with psychodynamic perspectives seem to be, you know, coming from medical schools or, or have in the past. And um, yeah, that's, I, I had the, I had a similar thought um, with respect to that breakdown. Uh, I feel like uh, at least insofar as the media inter, uh, interpretation or portrayal of, psychiatry and the whole head shrink going back to like uh uh shamans and and medicinal uh practitioners and tribals settings right that's where the whole head shrink idea came from oh yeah uh and I, I just i i think it's bad <laughs> i'm just gonna just i'm just gonna I'm just going to so go deep. out on a limb so and deep. say it, it it's bad uh that an entire specialty within uh medicine is devoted to out of date stuff like it doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's okay. it's really I don't know a whole lot about this but it's really and I know there are people who specialize in like history of medicine, history of psychology and and it'd be great to to learn more about this but like a lot of the the arguments about you know the DSM and um, it uh, and like you know the psychodynamic perspectives like I feel like a lot of that centers around tensions between um I, you know I don't know one person with a PhD in psychology who's like all in on the DSM and and I don't know that those would necessarily or or even mostly in. Right. It's it's like so unreliable. It's so. Get whatever. And again, maybe pretty far out of my lane here, but um, but I I hear a lot of resentment from psychology toward, you know, psychiatry for. DSM related stuff. I don't know. Yeah. You know what the APA should be really doing instead of making a style manual? is making an actual diagnosis book. Yeah. Instead of the other APA, not to be confused with each other. I'm talking about the APA as opposed to the the APA. The American Physics Association? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. We are all stardust. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 the DSM from the American Physics Association. <laughs> exactly. We are all uh, so for those listeners who weren't on in, in on the joke there, the American Psychological Association does not actually uh, have any control over what goes into the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is currently in version five. Um, came out in 2013. Don't know when the DSM five text revisions coming. <laughs> Or if it's going to be six. But the American Psychiatric Association is the one that puts that book together. And pretty much only the United States 
uses the DSM. Everyone uses the um, ICD-10, which is the International Classification of Diseases. Version 10. Many versions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, international except for the United States. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, I I do get what you're saying about the DSM um, because... It is the primary tool of the psychiatrist, of course, and they are uh, pulling from just one perspective, and that one perspective is obviously going to be biased toward whatever medicine saying is the thing at the time. Um, well, I and there's, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, there, I didn't, I, I don't know, I'll admit to like, I didn't know this in as much detail as I should have. Cause I, I teach abnormal stuff from intro psych textbooks and, and we know how well-intentioned, but you know, kind of what shallow treatment these textbooks can give. Um, really oh, right. Yeah. Things. A so, chapter for something that takes years of actually understanding. Yeah. Or just, you know, sort of coming, coming across as definitive on things that are, are, are really pretty ambiguous. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember the first time I thought about this was in graduate school where, you know, one of my professors was like, yeah, intersex, intersex, intersex textbooks are full of lies. And uh, I asked for more clarification and he was like, I mean, you read an intersex textbook and it says at the, at the time, this is what, you know, what intersex textbook said about the thalamus. It's like it says the thalamus is a relay, a sensory relay. For information mm-hmm. it's like it's the thalamus does more than, I, it does more than that like you don't need a you don't need something to be a sensory relay it's just it, if 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 that were the case like we would just have longer axons in that in that area like they they just need to like go to a different part of the brain and and so i've i've through that lens have thought about other other parts of intrapsych textbooks and you know i can be kind of critical about some of the ways they cover, you know, different topic topics within cognitive psychology. And mm-hmm. of course now like hunger and eating and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I didn't realize that things like diagnostics were so um, unsettled. And I, and I, and I really didn't realize the extent of it until I start, I started hearing more about, um, this idea of questionable measurement practices that um, Aiko Fried and Jessica Flake have spent time talking about within, uh, you know, the open science community. Like there are there are hundreds of different scales that measure depression that purport to measure depression. Mm-hmm. Um, among the most popular ones, I mean, they the, and depression is like if you could think of the one thing that we should have a, a pretty clear understanding of depression might, might be that thing. Um, because you know, it's so common. There's a lot of, there's a, a lot of impact of depression. Yeah. Am, am I, I don't getting... know. I, I would probably go with anxiety on that one, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Depression. Well, if there's, if there's one thing that it's going to be in the top 10 of yeah, like, yeah, these, these sure. are the things that people study a lot that we should, you know, we, we should have understand. some kind of handle yeah. on. Yes. And, um, these like the top six or seven scales or whatever that purport to measure depression. Like they all, they all assess different symptoms. There are some symptoms that only appear on one scale. There are some, there are very few symptoms. I think the symptom like sad mood 
mm-hmm. appears on most scales that measure depression. Okay. Um, I remember, I remember reading, you know, Flake and, um, and Freed, I think it's pronounced Freed, uh, one of the papers they wrote about this and, um, and hearing that reading that in the DSM five, the field trials for the DSM five, the interrater reliability for depression diagnoses was 0.28. Mm. Ooh, that's rough. Right. And this is like, this is using one book, right? This is using one, like one set of criteria for diagnosing depression. And, um, that is, it's not clear. And I guess that's why like the, and I'm going to circle this back to the movie, but I guess that's why the arrogance of meeting somebody for a few minutes and then being like, this is what's going on. It's just so uh, appalling. Yeah. Because things are, and we, we do, we are meant to simplify things in our brain. Like for sure. It helps us in all kinds of ways, but um, it's, it's like willful ignorance (laughs) at this point of like the, like clearly the most important thing is my fame selling my book achieving my plan right he says in the, be- in the beginning of the movie is like everything's going according to plan like this was his plan was to get famous and yeah i i kept thinking GMA. <laughs> gma i honestly i could the only thing i could think of during this movie was like this guy definitely would have had like two of the most popular ted talks absolutely like that w- might have been the most important thing to him at some point it was like i need to get a ted talk with the most as many views as possible yeah uh and like um at like the biggest ted event yeah yeah ted Main. instead of these like tedx or yeah. like ted yeah. ed or something like that yes it just would have been at the marquee ted talk yes do you know folks that the thing that you can do to help yourself <laughs> is by taking baby steps i wrote a book <laughs> <laughs> about baby steps. Look at the look at the screen behind me. It's a very achievable, very achievable result. But I think you just got to go grab it. Okay, baby steps. This is what I'm talking about. You put one foot in front of the other. You do easy things before you do hard things. And le- next thing you know, you've got the hard things done. Bada bing, bada boom. Thank you for your time. He's got like an actual baby on stage and he's like helping it take little steps. And he's yeah. like, this is a baby step. <laughs> this is you. You are baby stepping. And I think, you know, I don't. This this is certainly anecdotal, but like I've heard from folks before who have done like TEDx's like they, uh, apparently there's a whole like a whole um career you can have that's just all like coaching people to give ted talks and stuff and it's like the the top advice is overgeneralize sell like it's Mm -hmm. and it's it's the people who like don't leave ambiguity for people and like we need ambiguity it is so important i didn't think i was gonna think this hard about this movie and i'm kind of kind of disappointed in myself (laughs) <laughs> you i knew i was gonna coax it out of you i, I knew it i had a i had a thought i had a, a thought you're i was a doing baby steps psychological imperialist yeah i um i live there <laughs> rent free too 
Yeah. There's some rent. No. You're not one no. of my Patreon subscribers? No, I um uh I I went through this thing called a a revolution and uh I therefore own the continent in which your brain exists. You do. And will then use that to my advantage in a thing called Manifest Alex. Oh my god, ew. <laughs> I feel bad that that was my first reaction. (laughs) (laughs) So Freud had a lot of like super creepy things about him. And I don't don't want to turn this into like a Freud, a Freud bashing event. But I think we've already done that. He was like super into into antiquities. And he if you see his office space, he's got all of these little like he's got all of these little figures and stuff like that that he believed had like. When he he thought about other cultures. and, it, you know, it's clear when you read about So there's him. some, like, mysticism? Like, yeah. he had some a mystical belief a bit, in, a little, in these figurines? And it sounds like he was sort of, like, when you read his writing, it's, like, almost though he was... I don't think he thought they were mystical. I think I think he thought that there were certain universal truths that underlied mm-hmm. all of human existence, like things like penis envy and, like, mm. um, you know, I'm the really ego, stuck on that one. So super just, ego. Yes, yes. And and through looking at the the artwork of different cultures that were far removed from sort of more Western um, Victorian era, right, right, quote unquote Western um, Europe, yeah, uh, that that he could understand what some of these things were, but it's like he's not talking to any of the people from any of these cultures, right? He's like, no. he's 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 gotten these things on his travels or their gifts from people. And it's like, mm-hmm. they're completely separated from context. And they're like, yeah. And he uses them for inspiration without understanding anything about where they came from. And it's gross and exploitative. And it's, it's like connected to some things that I think these filmmakers really got right about Marvin. Um, that he, he, it doesn't matter what's happening outside his head. Right. It is, it is, mm-hmm. it is how he perceives how things are happening. That is what's important. What's important is, is his life. There's no like reflection. There's no attempt for him to. Um, And yeah, I mean, Bob did. I keep forgetting his name and I'm like, it's in the freaking title. <laughs> <laughs> what's his face? Bill Murray's character. Yeah, you can remember Bill Murray. I uh, What's it's four a, syllables? There's three a, or four syllables. The Zen uh, the Zencaster window has a thing up front that says episode forty one. What about Bob? And like ten times tonight, I've been like, oh, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Why does that happen? Oh, because we were talking about Leo for a very long time. Yeah, Leo. Marvin, not Dr. Marvin, because he lost his license. Right. Yes. Well, I want to thank Dr. Jordan Waggy for joining me to discuss what about Bob? And so before we <laughs> say goodbye, Jordan, I, it was a very, uh, very uh, pointed emphasis on Bob because uh, that was passive aggressive. <laughs> Jordan has forgotten who the title character was. 
so Jordan, as we say goodbye, uh, is there anything that you would like to plug? I leave the floor open for you. To plug? Um, yeah. yeah, please buy my book, Baby Steps. Yeah. Um, it is $29.95. Oh, that was uh, $19.91 prices. That's got to be like $89.95 now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, baby Steps. I mean, Baby Steps yourself down to Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Or if you don't want to go out in public, which I get these days with the pandemic, you can find it at your local online bookseller. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Rowags. I also have a website at jordanwaggy.com. Um, that's like my professional website. Uh, Twitter is probably where most of the hilarity happens. Um, yeah. But if you want to see what my professional life looks like, check out my website. Yeah. Hit my, hit my SoundCloud. Yeah, hit up hit up her SoundCloud. She doesn't have one, but when she does, I'm gonna I'm go I'm gonna create one now. Yeah, it's what's it gonna be called? It's, I I I didn't realize that you could name your SoundClouds. I don't sure. know what Soundcloud is. I don't know if you can or not. Well, <clears throat> thanks again for stopping by, Jordan. Thanks it's for having me. Is it? <laughs> I am contractually obligated to say yes. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. Until the next one, thanks for listening. 